0: This program is made possible by the members and donors of the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Majority Report, The Young Turk, Citizen Radio, Lee Camp, The Progressive, The Bugle, Media Matters, Jimmy Dore, and Charlie Chaplin in The Great Dictator. And a note that this weekend is moving day for me, so I'm taking half a day off and replaying one of my favorite episodes, but there are brand new voicemails and commentary at the end about the Catholic Church.
1: Ah. Oh. This is so sad. Ladies and gentlemen, I am sorry to report that another instance of our freedom is being curtailed. It's being reported that former president, U.S. President George W. Bush, has canceled his visit to Switzerland over fears he could have been arrested on torture charges. What kind of country are we becoming where our president doesn't have the freedom to travel to Switzerland simply because he ordered the torture of people or allowed it to occur under his watch and only tried to get his lawyers to find a legal justification for it? Our freedom is being impinged and uh, it is completely... How un-American of the Swiss to even have the potential that they could hold a torture to account. How un-American. We demand any McDonald's franchises that have opened in Switzerland and... We're no longer Swiss chocolate. We're now going to refer to as freedom chocolate. Swiss clocks, freedom clocks. Instead of coming out and going... No, they'll come out and they'll... They'll say, God bless America. I did not want to uh, travel
2: to uh, Switzerland, anyways, uh, because uh, can't get uh, can't get down home cooking, in Switzerland. Plus, uh, I don't like to uh, travel. Get all confused with time change. So I don't like to time travel. So I don't like to uh, fly across the ocean. Why would I? I got my jetpack. Just jetpack
3: engage. Wise line PRT just sent us a tweet letting us know that uh, he uh, George Bush is allowed in uh, in uh, Zambia though. The Zambian Foreign Minister has said that we will not arrest George Bush upon his visit.
1: Freedom.
2: just gonna rather go to Zambia Zamb what do we call that? Zambia (laughs) Zambora Zambora uh it's just that's in uh, it's in
3: Africa am I correct? yes I'd love to see him say this foreign minister's name too the foreign affairs minister of Zambia Shishimba Kambwili yeah I call him, I just, my nickname is, for
2: him is just Zambian Willy. <laughs> Zambo is what I call him. That's my nickname for, for the, uh, Zambian head guy. Zambo. What's wrong with that, is that not a good nickname?
1: Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm With Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby. Comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker. And on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm.
4: Good news, bad news in our treatment of Iranians. Uh, at least in terms of the uh, U.S. and its allies, uh, we have rescued more Iranians in the waters. Uh, we had uh, rescued a bunch of Iranian fishermen who were captured by Somali pirates, and we just, as a good deed, <laughs> uh, you know, went and did a raid and freed those guys and gave them back to Iran. Uh, I love that. And then also, just now, uh, we apparently rescued. Uh, guys on the iranian cargo uh... ship yahoo Hussein, uh... they had run into some trouble uh, with their equipment and we rescued a number of them uh, with our uh, united states navy very proud uh... that we've done that look one of the things that made america great is that we're not like the other guys if um, north korea captures our soldiers in their waters well not even in their waters but anywhere in international waters it doesn't matter they'd be in a lot of trouble. The same might be true of Iran. When we capture their guys, we are actually rescuing them. We're not at war or anything like that, and we're giving it back. You might think it's a perfectly normal thing to do, but look, not a lot of countries have done it in the past, and so I, I, I'm proud of those guys. And in fact, Iranian fisherman Fazel ur uh, rahman said, quote, it is like you were sent by God. <laughs> that was the guys being rescued by the Somali pirates. It's funny to hear an Iranian saying that about... Uh, America, that uh, Allah apparently sent us. Now, on the other hand, as we're doing that, conveniently, Iranian scientists uh, are winding up dead. Uh, And they're not just kind of questionably uh, dying, oh, did they have a heart attack or not? No, they're being blown up and shot in the head. Uh, So uh, these are civilian scientists. Uh, Glenn Greenwald writes a very good article saying that when this was suggested back in 2007 under the Bush administration by just a conservative blogger, Glenn Reynolds, uh, a lot of the progressive bloggers flipped out. A lot of the law professors did. How could you? Uh, One of them uh, said that this would be the equivalent, Kevin Drum from the Washington Monthly, the equivalent of terrorism because you're killing civilians. And it's a very good point that imagine if the Iranians came here and executed a couple of our nuclear scientists at Los Alamos labs. We would go to DEFCON 28. We would have immediate war. Meanwhile, we're executing people left and right. And when I say we, I don't necessarily mean the U.S. because it is not clear if it's U.S. or Israel. Could it be anyone else? The honest and real answer is no. It's either U.S. or Israel. We're obviously aware of it. And at the least, we are condoning it, right? Um, So, who are the people that have been killed? Masood Ali Mohammadi? Uh, was 50 years old, he taught neutron physics at Tehran University, uh, they put a remote control bomb attached to a motorcycle uh, that killed him. Okay, um, And then we had uh, Majid Shariar, uh, he uh, was another scientist that was uh, executed uh, by either US or Israel, it is not clear yet. By the way, as we um, killed him, we also wounded his wife, uh, And uh, then there is Darush Razavi, who was 35. He was shot dead, and his wife was wounded by two gunmen firing from motorcycles outside of their daughter's kindergarten, by the way. Classy. Again, if that happened here in New Mexico, Iranians come uh, and execute our scientists in front of a kindergarten, you tell me that we wouldn't call them terrorists. If Hezbollah did it, Hamas did it, anybody did it, we wouldn't call them terrorists? We would say it was one of the worst acts of terrorism in the U.S., right? So they get shot dead. Hardly anyone pays attention. And then uh, we have um, uh, Faradun Abbasi. That was another scientist uh, that was killed. And just recently, just now, 32-year-old university professor, Mustafa Ahmadi Roshan, was killed while uh, somebody driving a motorcycle, riding a motorcycle, attached a magnetic bomb to his car then detonated it, and killed it. Um, all these people were guilty of being nuclear scientists. Um, and how much they were working on the nuclear programs that Iran has, it's you know, unclear, certainly, to the public. I hope we at least had decent information, or if Israel did it, they had decent information that they were actually working on the nuclear programs. By the way, were they working on nuclear energy, which is perfectly acceptable and used by many countries throughout the world, or were they working on making it a bomb? Well, the IAEA and the United States Intelligence agree that right now Iran is not making a bomb. IAEA says, well, they once thought about it back in 2003, and they might think about it in another day. But right now, everybody agrees they're not making a bomb. So these nuclear scientists that are killed, were they just working on nuclear energy and we assassinated those civilians anyway? So on the one hand, we've got U.S. rescuing Iranians out of the waters, and that's great, and that's what made America great, that the idea that we're there to help people no matter what, even if they're on the opposite side. And on the other hand, terrorism, no, no, that's what we call the Muslims. When we do it, well, obviously we're protecting our interests, or Israel is, so congratulations to them.
1: Walked into a room where I had no friends to say goodbye. Cross the ocean, my fingers, my heart, and I hope to die. You're not the only one who feels alone at night.
0: The following clip contains elements of sarcasm that may be too subtle for some listeners.
5: Look, there may have been an incident in Iran, everybody. There may have been.
3: So, look, guys. If there's one... There was a freak accident in Iran that I want to... That we should probably talk about. A man. uh, It's not really important what his job is. Uh, I mean, this could have been this could have been any one of us. Well,
5: it's kind of important.
3: Well, I mean, I, I guess the main reason I want to tell this story is because we have so many listeners out there who have different jobs and are different races or sexual orientations, different ages. That really, this could happen to any of us mm-hmm. at any given moment in our towns. Um, and I just want people to be on the lookout, right? So uh, there was a guy. Who he was either like uh a, a carpenter or like um what was he out some kind of nerdy uh, d- nuclear scientist. Right, a carpenter or, 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 uh. No, see, that's why scientist. it's
5: really important because. So it could be any
3: one of you guys. Um, walking no, around with your, with your paint buckets.
5: That might be true, but statistically it's much more likely to happen if you are a nuclear scientist in Iran. So you're
3: getting in your car in Ohio or wherever you live with Iran. your, with your ladder.
5: Usually Iran.
3: And you go to, uh, I don't know what happened, like his, he, uh, he didn't get his oil checked. Or something. He he got in his car, and clearly he wasn't taking care of his car. No,
5: um... Which is really a
3: lesson to all of you, like, just go get a checkup, you know? An assassin
5: rode by on a motorcycle and strapped a bomb to his car and
3: blew him up. Now, look, we've all been there, right? Not unless we're a nuclear scientist in Iran. Carpenters are... If you're a carpenter, check your oil. That's all I'm trying to say. Or, if you're a scientist in Iran, watch out for Israeli assassins. Mm hmm
5: Look... We have no proof yet that it was uh, someone from Assad or uh, any the type
3: IDF of IDF. Uh, yeah, but they, I guess it really wouldn't be the IDF. They
5: would. Th- that seems like a Assad move. <laughs> a dude on a motorcycle flies by. Yeah, we have no evidence. And that- maybe
3: it's a coincidence. Look, I cannot tell you how many times I've slept with women whose boyfriends have a love. For riding by on motorcycles and placing explosives to cars.
5: Are you confusing yourself with Jack Bauer again?
3: Yeah. You are. Uh, (laughs) Um, But it could... could, Look, it could happen to anyone, right? Any number of people have the skill to drive by on a motorcycle and with the precision and... (laughs)
5: Not really, though. It was funny. We were watching Morning Joe this morning, which is a, a center right show, and a right a right wing show, and they um, they couldn't stop laughing because it was so obviously not only an assassination but backed by israel and or the west and obviously if israel was responsible the west knew about it
3: and yeah alice and i were like you never like to laugh at tragedy but we were laughing because we're like
5: it's so obvious it's so comical and here's my theory and let me emphasize it's just a theory Instead of just, you know, making it look like a suicide or what they usually do, I think they made it such a spectacle to scare off other scientists. Right. So no one will want to pursue nuclear technology in Iran, lest they be to, blown to Kingdom Kong.
3: Right. Now, guys, remember, uh, do the Citizen Radio think Ahmadinejad's a good dude? Do we, you know, are we fans of, uh, you know, religious leaders uh, who go above? No, 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 no.
5: Of course not.
3: Um, however, uh, do we think that America and or America's backers or um, people who America backs should be illegally assassinating, not military leaders, not that that's even legal, but scientists, I mean, people who went to school for science, we are assassinating.
5: Look at it this way. What would we have done? if japan preemptively attacked our scientists on the east coast because they heard they were working on a big ass bomb
3: right which we always are
5: theoretically i mean not just theoretically japan could have said that was an act of self-preservation a preemptive act which is what we always say with iran right
3: that's why just like the documentary we saw uh it's not safe to be uh in the field of science anymore so you should probably start cooking meth uh with one of your former students
5: run nerds run as fast as you can with your little beaker tubes and your lab coats and don't look back because they look they're gonna kill you they're gonna fucking kill you The mission of this show
0: is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help.
6: This is your moment of clarity from LeeCamp.net. As we saw at the recent Republican debates, our elected officials are now banging their chests about Iran harder than an angry gorilla with heartburn or one of the guys from the Jersey Shore covered in fire ants. Our government is starting the run-up to yet another war the people of America want nothing to do with. War with Iran is as popular as getting a blind man to hot-wax your genitals or the movie Tower Heist. But that doesn't stop our elected shills. They're revving up the old machine that carefully and skillfully turns taxpayers money into Halliburton or KBR money. You know those silly machines at highway rest stops where you put a penny in the machine, turn the crank, and it spits out a smashed penny with a Statue of Liberty imprinted on it? These wars are like that machine, except instead of a penny, they take trillions of taxpayer dollars, they load into one side of the machine, and then get Congress to turn the crank, and then out the other side, like magic, pops money with Boeing or Blackwater, Exxon, or BP stamped on the face of it. The only difference between the two machines is... Is that the one at the rest stop who rarely kills hundreds of thousands of people? Also, the penny smasher has a big sign over the top that says, "It's fun. you'll like this. The one in the I- Iran or Iraq or Afghanistan or Vietnam does not say that. It says, <laughs> "We fucked you." As Howard Zinn said in a great 2007 speech, America does not have democracy when it comes to foreign policy. The majority of Americans are against these wars for wealth reliably. We don't want them, we don't vote for them, we don't want to see kids die for them. But Congress predictably turns the crank like the good little organ grinder monkeys they are. What the fuck? If you're gonna act like those little monkeys, the least you can do is give us some... Fucking music? We don't have democracy in terms of foreign policy, and we don't get any shitty music? God. Damn it, that's just wrong. In place of our vote on war, we the people get handed a little yellow ribbon. We then take that ribbon and we tie it over our eyes. I think, along with the yellow ribbon, Congress should give us ball gags. Support the troops ball gags we could shove in our mouths. I might start selling those on my website, come to think of it. And then, if you ever took yours out, everyone in the community would go, Where's your American flag ball gag? What? You don't support the troops?
1: I I have to speculate for God himself to make us into corresponding shapes like puzzle pieces from the clay.
7: Bomb Iran drumbeat is getting louder and louder. On Sunday, the New York Times Magazine published a cover story by an Israeli journalist who predicted that Israel will bomb Iran before the year's out. Then a couple days later, our own defense minister, Leon Panetta, said out loud that he thought Israel would bomb Iran before the summer's over. And shortly thereafter, one of Israel's deputy prime ministers said that Iran had missiles that could travel 6,000 miles and hit the U.S., Can't you feel you're being played? Israel and the Pentagon are preparing the American public for what would be a disastrous war. It would put at risk many of the people in both countries, Israel and Iran, as a so-called limited war could quickly expand. And Iran would also try to close the Straits of Hormuz, which would make the price of oil spike and the world economy shudder. And all for what? The Israelis understand that the bombing would, at best, set back Iran's nuclear program just a couple years. Besides, the leaders of Iran surely know that if they tried to nuke Israel, they'd be wiped off the map. The Obama administration needs to tell Israel, in no uncertain terms, to back the hell down. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. Well, I'm-
8: The news now and Canada and uh, canada 's uh, defense Ministry was criticized for ordering twenty thousand orange stress balls uh, it 's not entirely clear what the criticism was based on, whether <laughs> it was the cost or what the f- Canada has to be so stressed about. <laughs> But, perhaps that's a smart idea, Andy. Make sure that your Defence Department is always calm. Put decaffeinated coffee in the machine, use soft lighting, set the temperature in the building to cosy, and make sure there are plenty of stress balls. Orange ones, to be specific. (laughs) Apparently the most effective colour of stress ball. And thus you'll ensure that your Defence Department never gets you into any unnecessary wars.
9: (laughs) Well, I guess, I mean, the obvious conclusion to draw from this, the Canadian Defence Ministry ordering 20,000 orange stress balls, is that... Someone was planning to build a stress ball statue of Wayne Gretzky dressed as an orange. <laughs> you, you you said, what, 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 what is going to threaten, threaten the Canadian Defence Forces other than the sense of its own futility? Unless unless an ice hockey match really kicks off, John, the closest they're likely to come to being invaded is if a celebrity polar explorer gets pissed, swallows his compass, and ends up riding a polar bear onto Baffin Island shouting, Am I getting warmer
8: or colder? <laughs> But you do wonder how history could have been different yeah. had certain members of the, say, Bush administration had orange stress balls surgically implanted <laughs> into their hands and mouths. <laughs> I think we might be living in a happier world by now. Think of what would have happened if Neville Chamberlain had said, I have in my hand a squeezy stress ball. <laughs> I gave one to Herr Hitler as well, and he loves it too, and has promised to calm it the f- down a bit. <laughs>
9: I uh, I've done some research into this John and I think 75% of all wars would have been stopped by the preemptive yep. application of orange stress balls. Yeah. Including the First World War. All right, Kaiser Wil- Wilhelm, keep your spike on. Squeeze <laughs> this squidgy bratwurst, you'll feel absolutely fine in no time. Like the 20,000 orange stress balls airdropped by the Canadian Air Force over the Middle East would yes. do more for the situation there than a year of peace talks, yes. or even
8: than Tony Blair and his magic donkey of reconciliation. That is the a f- fact. The worst it will do is the same amount of good. <laughs> Now, I think you're right. I think the Canadians are really onto something here. This brilliant plan for world peace is also apparently nothing new in Canada, as according to a newsletter, in October 2010, on International Conflict Resolution Day, soldiers at Eight Wing Trenton in Canada uh, were encouraged to stop by a kiosk on the base to, and I quote, pick up a stress ball and partake of the cake that will commemorate this auspicious day. I've got to tell you, Andy, Canadians love maple syrup, they love ice hockey... But they f***ing love stress
1: balls.
8: (laughs) But there is bad news. Because when Canadian Defence Minister Peter McKay found out about the lace disorder, he cancelled it. With a statement from his spokesman saying, As soon as Minister McKay was made aware of this contract, he instructed officials to immediately cancel this unnecessary expense of taxpayer money. Are you f***ing crazy?! (laughs) You can't just cut Canadians off from the one thing that's keeping them from being bilingual, bloodthirsty killing machines. (laughs) You have to wean them off. You can't go cold turkey. They're going to be frantically squeezing anything vaguely round or orange in the hope that they can get rid of some stress without having to launch a nuclear missile. And if that object doesn't squeeze, Andy... So help us, they are going to kill every man, woman, and child in a 5,000 mile radius. (laughs) We need to airdrop stress balls over Canada now, and for God's sake make them orange, because apparently that's somehow (laughs) important. Because, and let me reiterate this to the world, just in case you don't understand how serious this story is, the Canadians love beavers, they love Avril Lavigne, (laughs) but they f***ing love stress balls. (laughs) May God have mercy on our souls.
9: Well, it's it's good that they're taking uh, stress seriously in the Canadian Defence Ministry, John, because as Franklin Delano Roosevelt himself said, the only thing we have to worry about is worry itself, before being advised to ratchet up the rhetoric to get a bit of media traction. (laughs) okay, Franklin, we've heard back from the focus group. Could you go with fear instead of worry? Okay, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And Winifred, the man-eating crocodile, and treading on upholstery pins, and bits of meat that might be past their best, but look and smell just about okay, and the Mexicans and their heavy food. Can you... (laughs) And the unexpectedly rapid rise of the Nazi party in Germany, and spiders. (laughs) <laughs> and, you miss, and the missus, when you've left your socks on the floor, the fellas know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and Eleanor's roast chicken, she could overcook yeah, a volcano. Sorry, I'm going off topic. The point is...
8: You're not just going off topic, you're going off accent <laughs> now.
9: <and laughs> I don't have your level of dramatic <laughs> training, John.
8: i just waited so long to
9: hear you say that. <laughs> Fear is a villain, when he grips you late at night. He'll catch you when your back is turned, he's watching you.
0: but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be.
9: What drives a man to spend his life regretting chances lost? When a man has lost his chance, what man can count the cost?
0: We have a very
4: unfortunate video coming out of Afghanistan. It's uh, some of our Marines, uh, and we're going to show you the video... Uh, obviously, very newsworthy here. Uh, it is uh, going to show them urinating on uh, dead Taliban fighters. So I'm giving you a warning ahead of time. If you're uncomfortable with that, very understandable. Then don't watch it. Uh, let's. We're going to tell you the reaction of the Marines after we show you the video. All right, you see uh, what's happening. And they were referring to some uh, older cases that happened. Well, uh, you know, of course, it has not been uh, confirmed yet, but Naval uh, Criminal Investigative Services are looking into it. Uh, of course, the Afghan Ministry of Defense called it shocking. Hamid Karzai, the president of Afghanistan, called it completely inhumane. Those are not surprising, but here's the interesting part. The NATO-led security force in Afghanistan released a statement saying, quote, this disrespectful act is inexplicable and not in keeping with the high moral standards we expect of coalition forces. Now, I'm a little surprised that they uh, said that because I would have thought that perhaps they were going to deny it in the beginning. And they're saying we're looking into it, we're not confirming it, Uh, but... uh, And and I'm glad they put out that statement, but it was interesting that it seemed to be saying that it has a high chance of being true. And then the next statement uh, basically puts it over the top. This is the International Security Assistance Force in Afghanistan, and it says, The actions appear to have been conducted by a small group of U.S. individuals who apparently are no longer serving in Afghanistan, Uh, which means that they have a sense of who those guys in the video are, enough to know that they're no longer in Afghanistan so it looks like uh, the video for the moment being appears to be accurate now look this is how you get other soldiers killed uh, and other Marines as well of course and the reason for that is that this enrages the local population if you're having trouble identifying let me help you out imagine the roles reversed we see a video of some Taliban guys urinating on dead US soldiers what do you think the reaction here in the U.S. would be? We'd stay in Afghanistan till the year three thousand. Okay, so obviously people are incredibly mad in Afghanistan for understandable reasons. And the guy who put out the video, uh, you know, had some sort of Semper Fi uh, logo on his YouTube channel, and he said, "Look, you're supposed to do things." Uh, there was a statement on there: "You're supposed to do things as a Marine in private that you wouldn't mind other people seeing." That you know that you're supposed to be honorable and civilized even when no one is watching basically right and these guys obviously were not and you know the thing is every once in a while people will react to this by saying oh war is hell oh, you guys don't understand okay this is what happens in war after you know you get those guys are shooting at you they could have killed you you're shooting at them and afterwards you're mad and you do this i understand that that's part of the reason we say hey the next time you want to start a war be really, really careful, because it turns out war is hell. And terrible things like this happen, and then they escalate the war. And it keeps escalating and escalating. We've been in Afghanistan for 10 years, and it's, we're still not getting out because of these escalating round of violence. There was an amazing poll done in Afghanistan. They asked the people fighting the U.S. and in the overall population in Afghanistan, hey, why is the U.S. here? A great, overwhelming majority of them had no idea. They didn't even know about 9-11. So why are they fighting us? They're fighting us because we're fighting them. They're fighting us because of videos like this. That's why they train you not to do things like this. But once a war starts, it spirals out of control. And you have moments like this which are going to be horrible for the American image all across the world and who are unfortunately going to be a good recruiting tool for people who hate us. That's why you've got to be careful. And it's, not, it's pertinent not just for Afghanistan, but right now, all of our foolhardy politicians are warmongering against Iran. If we start that disastrous war, how long is that going to take? Ten years, twenty years, what are we going to do the, to fallen Iranian soldiers? What are they going to do to our fallen U.S. soldiers? How long is that going to escalate? And in the middle of all that, ten or twenty years later, somebody will turn around and go, well, look, war's hell, uh, and that's just the way it is, so too bad that's why you shouldn't start them or you should at least be incredibly careful before you start one
3: I, I want to read something. Um, I hope I do it justice. I, I really only read it once on my phone, so it's not like I've practiced it or anything. But um, my friend Rob Delaney, who you guys probably know on Twitter, chances are at least, I think statistically, let's see, he almost has 300,000 Twitter followers. I think one out of two of you probably follow him uh, on Twitter. And I. Um, he's actually really political. He's a ridiculously funny comic. Um, but he writes a column for Vice which gets political sometimes, and uh, this is a pretty huge story. Um, There's apparently footage of U.S. Marines uh, pissing Mm -hmm. on the corpses of uh, Afghanis, Mm -hmm. right, that we've killed. And I'm really glad I read this before um, we commented on it, because obviously – I would have, we both would have been enraged and talked about, you know, uh, how horrible this is and, you know, what it looks like to the Muslim community and all this stuff. But, uh, Rob takes a bit of a different angle, which I think we've actually hit upon before, but he just does it really ruthlessly. Um, and, uh, he gave me permission to read it. So I'm gonna do that real quick. It's short. Uh, is that cool? Do it. All right. So it's called, uh, Cooking Up a War. Don't Forget the Piss. Here we go. Uh, people are understandably upset after video emerged of what appears to be U.S. Marines urinating on Afghan corpses. If they're surprised, however, they need to pick up a history book. Soldiers piss on corpses in every war, on both sides. Soldiers rape civilians as a rule in every war that has ever taken place since time. Rape is a weapon of war. Piss, some people are now learning, is a weapon of war. Some fucked up, disgusting combination of the two, plus shit and dismemberment, is a weapon of war. Bad guys do it, quote, good guys do it? When a country's government decides to wage war, they are deciding to sanction piss, rape, and the torture and murder of women children who had the colossally bad fortune to be in the midst of the war. When the U.S. decided to enter into Afghanistan and then Iraq, they, i.e. Congress and the President and the the myriad companies that profit from war, knew this. I'm not singling out the U.S. here. While we're as good at implementing the more horrific solar racing weapons as anyone, we're not alone. Does your country have a military? In times of war, they kill people. And sometimes they piss on them. If it isn't clear why I'm detailing this, it is because I want to express an old thought. War is the very worst thing there is, and if you command an army, you better the fuck understand, in your proper, probably cowardly, defiantly privileged, likely draft-dodging bones, that when you send soldiers out to fight and die, they are going to do some unconscionable and irreversible things. They are going to do it in your name, because you told them to. And pissing on a corpse is a fucking poem compared to issuing an order for beautiful young people to go and kill other beautiful young people in a land far away because you, in essence, felt like it. Mm. Very good. Uh, So, uh, that's what made me cry today. I thought it was really good. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Daniel Rara. CNN contributor Dana Lash is under fire for comments she made on a radio show dismissing outrage over a controversial Internet video. The video appears to show members of the United States Marine Corps urinating on dead bodies that early reports have identified as Afghans.
5: Can someone explain to me if there's supposed to be a scandal that someone pees on the corpse of a Taliban fighter? Someone who was as part of an organization murdered over three thousand Americans. I'd drop trial and do it too. That's me, though. I want a million cool points for these guys. Is that harsh to say? Come on, people. This is a cool war. Points. What do you think this is? What do people think this is?
3: The video has been widely condemned by Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta, U.S. military commanders, foreign policy experts, and others.
10: Here's something that never gets old. The Republican debate audience, they're supposed to be the most religious, most devout, the most Christian of the Christians. Yet they seem to behave in the opposite way that Jesus would. We've already heard them cheer for more state executions, cheer for letting a sick guy without health insurance die. And when a black guy pointed out the obvious that Newt Gingrich was racially stereotyping and insulting minorities, a room full of white people responded by booing him. Then they cheered when a thrice-divorced guy who impeached a president over a BJ indignantly refused to answer a question about his own duplicitous and despicable private life. And in case you're one of the people who are in the market for evidence democracy is a terrible form of government, that mob that shows up the Republican presidential debates seems to fit the bill. Here's Ron Paul, and he's talking about foreign policy, and he offers what I used to think was Jesus' credo for how to handle other people. And let's just see how the crowd responds.
11: I, my point is, is if another country does to us what we do others, we're not going to like it very much. So I would say that maybe we ought to consider a golden rule in, uh, in foreign policy. Don't do to other nations, but we don't want Unbelievable. Him to. Unbelievable.
1: A bomb! Unbelievable. So
10: so they love Jesus, but they hate the golden rule. To this audience, the golden rule is lynch thy neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is the clip historians are going to play when they discuss the fall of the American Empire. You Mm -hmm. know? And it seems like the perfect message for them, right? Hey, you guys like Jesus. They like simple ideas, yet you're booing this one. Okay. I wish Ron Paul had gone one step further, like one like and said something like, Hey, hey, how about this for a foreign policy? We just try not to be dicks. (laughs) Boo! (laughs) We want to be dicks. (laughs) Jesus didn't anoint American supreme awesome country of
12: all time for us not to be dicks to anyone we felt like. We've earned it. I've never been so ashamed for a group of people in my life. Is that that moment there? That is, except for another debate moments. Yes, except year. for all the previous debates. That that is jaw dropping. I mean, he phrased it in the language of they Jesus,
10: blew. and they booed it. And they booed it. You know what? I know you're not supposed to make these comparisons, but the more I watch these Republican debates, and well, the more I watch my own country. You know, we started with us invading Iraq, and then we started torturing people. We started tapping our own phones without an without now they can indefinitely detain you now we have people in america booing the golden rule (laughs) it makes me realize that it wasn't that hard for hitler no. It wasn't that hard for him to get people to go along no. with him. There's plenty of just like when we when I realized, oh, well, we have to refight the torture debates. It's like, we, I, I, am I going to wake up tomorrow and find out that I have to give good
12: reasons why rape is bad? We right. have yes, like that's going to happen. And if you look at what was happening in Germany when crazy people got elected, a loaf of bread had gone from costing a dollar in Germany to. I think it was either 3 million or 3 billion dollars. That's mm-hmm. how bad inflation was. Right. Can you imagine right. how they would how turn these people would it, would turn would react right. if a loaf of bread was 3 million or 3 billion How do you think they would react
10: to Paul start throwing anybody dip, who's not a white Christian in I jail? don't know how they could get any, be any
12: more hate, full, full of hate than they are, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would probably take the law into their own hands. Okay, so that then
10: and then just when you feel like you know what the hell is going on with the with these crowds Paul Rep. Representative Ron Paul says this.
11: All we have to do is start another war. I mean,
1: it's it's warmongering. They're building up for another war against Iran, and people can't wait to get in another war. This country doesn't need another war. We need to quit the ones we're in. We need to save the money and bring our troops home.
10: Okay, so then he says, yeah. we don't need another war, and then they cheer that. Well, what the hell's going on exactly? Which is it, people, paper or plastic? Start yeah. wars or end wars? Seriously, Republicans, you're like that girl I dated in college who almost turned me gay, <laughs> which I now know is silly because you can't turn someone gay. If, if you could turn someone gay, then it would have happened to me the first time I saw Jude Law and the talented Mr. Ripley 10 years <laughs> ago, but it didn't, and as much as I wanted to love that boy, mm-hmm. it's only as a friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... So here's so that so that's how they handled that's how, so now here's here's Newt Gingrich same debate, Newt Gingrich now here's he's a longtime Christian right mm. newly converted ca- Catholic, Newt, here's Newt Gingrich's nuanced idea on handling our myriad enemies, and let's see how it plays with the Christians ready?
4: Andrew Jackson had a pretty clear cut idea about America's enemies, Killed them.
10: Okay, it's worth noting that the enemies Andrew Jackson was talking about were largely American Indians. Yeah, Native Americans, exactly. (laughs) But to be fair, he did kill the shit out of them. (laughs) Right? <laughs> and, and, and by the way, you can't just reference a controversial and often misunderstood historical figure and automatically make your arguments. Believe me, if that was possible, Robert Yatsumura has been trying to use Millard Fillmore as a reason for his crazy facial hair for a couple of months now. <laughs> and it ain't working. Okay, and let's be clear. Newt's foreign policy platform is mm-hmm. Kill Them. Mm-hmm. That's his foreign policy, Kill Them. And the people of South Carolina who came to this debate cheered that. Mm-hmm. I say, why even go to the debate? Why not just sit home and hold your Republican T-shirt debate, right? Because that sounds like T-shirt slogans, right? middle mm-hmm. will show up with, kill Him." Santorum will show up with, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> uh, Rick Perry's would be, bikini inspector.
1: <laughs>
10: <laughs> well, he's also talking to uh, part of the country that at one point their enemies was were the rest of the country. Yes. And free and, and and free yeah. slaves. So, uh, I mean, South Carolina. All uh, the debate so far, they ooh. come off really as a bunch of simpletons. Mm. After ten years and two wars, you still think "kill them, gets yeah. the job done? "Kill them, yeah. gets the job. I can't believe Sanford's Appalachian Trail story didn't work on you guys. You bunch of effing rubes. Yeah,
3: <laughs> okay. it's easier to say that when you have a uh, volunteer army.
11: Anyway. The military is volunteer, so it's easy to say kill them when nobody right.
10: knows. I mean, it. when oh. it was when it was Newt's turn to go kill him, he he didn't go. He didn't go. No. None of those guys, Janey, everyone. What he really means is
12: signed an order to kill.
10: Yeah, right, right, So here's now here's Mitt, Mitt Romney he's talking about uh, foreign policy, how to deal with people, and uh, he's a little too nuanced, I think. Here, let's see what he says.
11: We go anywhere they are, and we kill them. And the uh, the right thing for. The right thing for Osama bin Laden was the bullet in the the head that he received. That's the right course for people who kill American citizens.
10: You know, if you close your eyes, you could swear it was Jesus
11: talking.
10: (laughs) 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 Let's listen to it again.
11: Just think of a Jesus. We go anywhere they are and we kill them. And the the right thing for... The right thing for Osama bin Laden was the bullet in the, in the head that he received. That's the right course for people who kill American citizens.
10: You know what? I like Newt. Newt's is much simpler for this audience. Kill him. See, Romney's getting, slow down, professor. Too many words. <laughs> Too many words. These are the South Carolina Republicans. They don't understand things like go places or Osama bin Laden. If you want to expand on Newt's idea, just say something like, kill the outlanders. Say something like that. That would have got that would have really got him the, the support. <laughs> now he gets a little, he, he digs the hole a little deeper for himself, Mitt Romney he gets a little bit more specific here we go this, they asked him because one of his top advisors has said that the Taliban also our enemy is also our negotiating partner and they said do you believe we should negotiate with the Taliban and the afghan war and this is what he said
11: the, the, the right course for america is not to negotiate with the Taliban while the Taliban are killing our soldiers
10: Sure, the right course is not to negotiate with the Taliban while they're killing our soldiers. The time to negotiate is when they've stopped killing American soldiers, and then we can negotiate a ceasefire. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Isn't that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody stops fighting, then we come in and negotiate the end. They're they're
12: making army games that children play look nuanced.
10: <laughs> That's why um, the Paris Peace Talks didn't start, start till 1995. Because yeah. <laughs> they wanted to wait until they
12: could start. After we've won, then we can negotiate. Then we start. And only, neg- then, only then. Only we don't have to negotiate, then we'll negotiate from strength after the war is over.
10: You, Steve, you know you can only negotiate uh, after they've already done everything you want them to mm-hmm. do. That's when you start negotiating. Unconditional winning. <laughs> Are, is win.
12: somebody on stage lobbing raw meat into the crowd? <laughs> it's like, literally there 's red meat coming yeah. out of, so you know I just want to say
10: that, that, that mitt Romney that's okay, I think he 's on the right track let 's play it again one more time because really
11: the, the, the right course for America is not to negotiate with the Taliban while the Taliban are killing our soldiers okay the, the, the right
10: you know that that, that, that don 't negotiate while they 're killing us that 's a good idea I mean for the south carolina people they, they they can understand that they can appreciate the simple elegance of only negotiating when there 's no conflict about which to negotiate mm-hmm. the same way as the the best time to ask for a raise at work is right after they gave you a raise that you're asking for. Still, stop with all trying to be smart, Mitt. i just go with less talky, more killy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what he should do.
1: I think Mitt uh, feels that we're just now ready to start
10: negotiating with England about the end of the Revolutionary War.
12: <laughs> you know, the easy- what a better time, though. Yeah. We were in a perfect position uh, to do that. Yes. The easiest way to get people to stop killing your soldiers is to pull your soldiers out of their country.
10: Uh, Not until they stop killing us. That's (laughs) when we're going to pull them out. Stop killing us and we'll leave.
0: dollars a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com
4: As they were doing all these trillions of dollars in spending cuts, well at least they also cut defense which is so bloated and out of control and uh, 59% of discretionary spending is defense. It's, it's gargantuan, right? And people thought, well, you know, they, the Super Committee couldn't come to an agreement, so at least half the cuts of the new round will come from defense. Wrong again, Bob. <laughs> I told you, they weren't going to let, let that happen. And so now there's an article in Politico saying uh, Congress rushes to disarm triggers. The triggers are the ones that would trigger the defense spending cuts. They're not going to have... By the way, the other half of the cuts are in... Uh, economic uh, spending. Those cut away. Who cares, right? So here's what Joe Lieberman says. Quote, ultimately, I think there's a very strong feeling that it's not going to go into effect. Uh, of course, you think we're going to cut the fence? Now, Joe Lieberman is a uh, so-called independent. doesn't caucus with the Republicans. Uh, real Democrats despise him. So what power does Joe Lieberman have? Are you kidding me? Whichever side Joe Lieberman is on is the side that's going to win in the Senate. It's the side that is totally against the American people 9 out of 10 times and totally the side that will win. Because Joe Lieberman is a magnet for money. And he's like, okay, I'll sell out my position for money wherever it is. And that side that sells out for money always wins. So as soon as Lieberman says that, it's over. It's over. There's no defense. You think they're going to do those uh, triggered defense spending cuts? (laughs) You don't know anything. Here's Cord uh, Sterling. He's VP Legislative Affairs for Aerospace Industries Association. In other words, the guys who are the defense contractors. Quote, the Department of Defense just can't sustain additional cuts beyond what they've already taken without seriously jeopardizing the national security capability. We spend 42% of the entire world spending on the military. The United States. Entire world military spending, we do 42% of it. But apparently, if we cut it just a little bit, that would jeopardize our national security. Canada's on our border. They're about to take us over. Hurry up and give more to the bloated defense contractors. That's what their lobbyist says. So how about John Boehner, a guy who's powerful, who's the Speaker of the House? Are the defense cuts going to happen? Quote, no one really wants to go there. (laughs) They're not going to happen. You think they're going to happen? You don't know anything about politics. Money drives politics. But don't worry, here comes California Republican Buck McKeon to save the day. So how's he going to do that? Well, he has a different proposal. And that he's already collected a lot of co-sponsors for. So instead of cutting defense spending, guess what they're going to do? They're going to cut the jobs of federal workers. Why take it from incredibly rich defense contractors on planes and submarines we don't need when you could take it from the average working guy? And shockingly enough, it turns out there's a lot of momentum for that in Congress. They're like, oh, you want to fire people in the middle of tremendous unemployment? We're in! So up, we're staying! So they got a new proposal. No, 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 we're not going to harm the richest people in the country, we're going to harm the middle class. You work for a living, you're in the federal government, fantastic. I got a bill that's going to cut your pay, and that is going to basically, in essence, fire you at some point, because they are thinking of cutting 10% of the workforce. Great. More unemployment. Wins for everybody. Towards the end of this political article, they say, oh, right, right, the domestic spending. There was also domestic spending cuts. There's one piece of legislation not backed by very many people at all, proposed by uh, Representative Towns from New York uh, that would shield hospitals and other health care providers from cuts that are set to hit Medicare. First of all, it doesn't even help you. It helps hospitals. I'm sure everybody gets paid for that, too. But that's kind of an afterthought. Oh, helping the American people with the spending cuts? Well, of course we're not going to do that. Get out of here. Oh, hospitals, maybe, maybe. Go ahead and bring that in. But overall, our main priority is make sure the defense contractors get paid and that the American people pay for it. Welcome to Washington. Jay. I wonder why we have an Occupy movement. I wonder why we have a Tea Party movement. I wonder why Congress, again, in a new poll out today, 11% approval rate. Because they don't work for us. They work for the sons of bitches who pay them.
14: Hey Jay, it's Morgan again. Your progressive Christian from Chicago. First off, I don't recall you or anyone saying that Catholics are idiots or anything either. So I just want to mention that I agree with you that that was likely a defensive reaction from people. Uh, when I called in the first time, I had I had actually thought of the exact same analogy that Molly came up with about uh, leaving or not leaving the U.S.
10: Hi Jay, okay, this is Molly. I think that I don't leave the church for the same reason I don't leave the United States of America. I disagree with most of the politicians, at least on some aspect, but I do
3: believe in the foundation of what America was all about. But
14: I made the same logical deductions you had made and realized that the analogy didn't quite work. So the one I had come up with instead that I think works a little better is if you were involved in your local Democratic Party doing things for your community, etc., And at the very top of the Democratic Party, there were cover-ups going on for awful things that have happened in various communities perpetrated by those local Democratic parties, but not yours. Uh, You could choose at that point to leave your local chapter of the party because of how outraged you are by the behavior of the party as a whole, and you'd be completely justified in doing so. Uh, Or you could choose to stay a member of your local chapter, even though you know money raised is going, at least in part, to fund behavior you don't agree with. Or, and this is the type of person I think you're leaving out, You could stay and try to make things better and change the culture that has outraged you because your local chapter means a lot to you, and you've seen it do a lot of good for your community, even though you have to swallow the bitter pill that some of the money is going towards terrible things. Uh, In the Leaving the U.S. analogy, this third person basically is what I consider to be a progressive. You hate the fact that your tax dollars are going towards unjust wars, but you try to make things better in any way that you can. So it's not a perfect analogy, but it's closer, and it's that third type of person that I was trying to, quote-unquote, defend in my first call, as those are the people that, in my opinion, are vastly underrepresented by the media, but in my real-world experience are not entirely uncommon. Uh, I'm not a pro... Or I'm sorry, I am a Protestant, so I don't have any personal examples of this from a Catholic perspective, but one I can give you from a Protestant perspective was a guy named Andrew Marin who started the I'm Sorry campaign, which went around to gay pride parades and held up posters saying something along the lines of, I'm sorry for how the church has treated you. And there were some really beautiful moments and images that came out of that. And though I think the story may have gone viral online, I didn't see a peep about it in the media. And instead, more and more bigots were paraded out to be the quote-unquote Christian perspective, because it's just easier and it's more flashy and entertaining. Anyway, I don't disagree with anything you brought up at the end of the last episode on foreign policy, but just wanted to provide a slightly different perspective also want to echo that I love the voicemail section of your show, and I'm just thrilled that I can now say I've been a part of it. Take care, Jay. Hi,
15: this is Patrick from near Dallas, uh, just leaving a comment on the recent uh, Pope episodes. I understand that most people, uh, although religion may be inherently illogical, it does have a certain consistent internal logic, so... Um, by which, you know, people who argue about Star Trek are going to say this can or cannot happen in the Star Trek universe. So that doesn't mean that you're necessarily sold on Star Trek. So if religion is important to you, it's going to continue to be important to you. And about 25 years ago, my wife and I, who were both raised Catholics, uh, were sitting in Catholic church. And realized that at the particular church that we were at, women weren't even being allowed on the altar. It was a unprogressive, even for Roman Catholic uh, church. And we decided to find another church. And we wanted a church that had the sacraments and a mass that was similar to the Catholic church. And we became Episcopalians because we allowed our policies and our beliefs to guide our choice. So we have a church that basically celebrates the same sacraments as the Catholic Church. It's from the same tradition, but they have progressive views towards everything from uh, allowing homosexuals in the clergy, even to the point of being elected as bishops, to enlightened views about allowing women to serve, allowing priests to marry. And when you acknowledge sexuality as a normal part of human existence and human life, and not something that needs to be swept under the rug, uh, I think you get a much more normal uh, people attracted to uh, the clergy. And not to say that there have never been any issues in Episcopal churches. I'm sure there have been at some point, but I think it's a much more minor thing. And the Episcopal church allows itself to be guided. And it's not a ad for the Episcopal church just to say, There are choices out there. You don't have to be stuck simply because your parents went to one thing or another. Um, But very few people allow reason to guide them, whether it's what they eat or climate change or their church. So just thought I'd toss that out. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So this morning, as I was waking up, before my eyes were even opened... My thoughts had already turned to what I was going to talk about today. I was just kind of going through the process of thinking about what I was going to say, and then of course, you know, I get up, I start making the show and I, I listen to all the voicemails that came in since the last episode, and I was amazed at how perfect it was that Patrick from Dallas called in and left the message that he left uh, because it, it fits so perfectly with what I already wanted to talk about. So I'll explain that in a second. But the quick background is that you know I did a couple of episodes uh, on the first the outgoing pope and then the uh, incoming pope, and primarily Jimmy Dore on those shows was making the argument that if you're in the Catholic Church, if you're and especially if you're tithing to the Catholic Church, then unfortunately, although you of course would not condone it, that there is a, a tacit complicity attached to those donations to the church because money is fungible. And donations made to, you know, one place can be used in another and so on that, uh, you know, unfortunately is very likely that at least a small portion of the money going to the church is going to support the institution, which has been shown to institutionally support and cover up child abuse, really horrific child rape and torture. And so, you know, it's just that's just the fact of it. It doesn't make anyone who uh, goes to the Catholic Church a bad person. And it doesn't mean that you condone those actions. It just means that unfortunately, those donations go to support that institution. So this led to a few analogies that that came out on the show. You know, Molly said that she stays in the church in the same – the way that she stays in the United States, that she disagrees with a lot of the teachings of of the church in the same way that she disagrees with a lot of uh, the politicians in the country. Uh, Morgan called in. I played his message today saying that maybe it's more like a political party that you're affiliated with and so you may like your, your local group but then the national group. Uh, is not doing such good things and so on. So, you know, to follow on those, I'm going to add uh, my own, uh, definitely imperfect analogy, but it's one that I think uh, taps in a little bit deeper to the emotional area of what it means to be in a religious community, as well as the sense of tradition uh, that comes along with it. And so that, that's why it's so perfect that Patrick called in because Patrick can always be counted on to call in and leave a message whenever there's a discussion of food choices going on. And and the way those conversations normally hash out eventually is that people's food choices are not rational at all. They're very much tapped into the same portion of the brain that... Um, that, that actually make people decide what religion to be a part of, and that is to say, completely irrationally. And there are definitely parallels to be drawn between uh, the sort of you know, traditions that come with food, the, uh, the family ties, the community ties that all come with food, the comfort that comes from food, that is very, very uh, similar to all the sorts of uh, you know, emotional, traditional ties that come with being in a religious community. And so, you know, I've said on the show that pe- people should eat less meat. It's contributing to uh, global warming and, uh, you know, factory farms, torture animals. So, you know, essentially you can say if you're eating meat, although you don't condone it, you're being tacitly complicit with the torture of animals in the same way that if you donate to the Catholic Church, although you don't condone it, you're being tacitly complicit with the torture of human children. So I you know I can come on the show and say you should eat less meat while at the same time I eat meat myself. I've said it on the show before and the you know as Patrick said my food choices are obviously not guided by logic but are dictated through a you know complex series of deep seated emotional psychological issues connected to my childhood and my parents and my own sense of tradition and so on. And then all of this is helped along very well by, you know, a very well-tuned uh, sense of cognitive dissonance that I use on a regular basis. So, you know, I just, I compromise. So I, I haven't changed my personal actions, even though I know I should. And so I compromise by feeling guilty about it. And, and so I can say that I think people should eat less meat and I think I should eat less meat, but I don't. And I can also say that I think people shouldn't donate to the Catholic Church, but it doesn't mean that if a person is going to continue to go to the Catholic Church and, and even continue to donate, then I'm going to condemn that person. I'm definitely not in a position to condemn anyone for their actions, especially when it's tied to something like this, which is so sort of deep-seated, you know, part of the, their sense of self, sense of community, and so on. Like, I still think it's wrong. I think that a person like Patrick is better than a person like me because, I, I you know, I believe that... And i don 't i don 't recall specifically, but I think he used to eat meat and then made the conscious decision to change based on his uh, personal ethics and Then you just heard him describe the same thing with his religious beliefs that he was in one religion and then decided based on his uh, you know personal personally held beliefs that it, that didn 't fit him anymore, so he and his wife changed and that 's fantastic. I wish I could be as good as Patrick is with his religion and his food choices. With my food choices, you know, I don't have a religion to trade out, which is why I have to sort of associate the idea of food with this discussion on religion, because it's it's the closest thing I have to a sort of a a, a deeply seated sense of tradition and self and, and, you know, going back to how I was raised and so on. So I think the most important thing to get across is to decouple the idea of whether or not staying in the church and donating to the church goes to support child abuse and whether or not that makes a person who's in the church a bad person, and because I think it's it's clear that people conflate the two and think, well, if you're saying that I'm supporting uh, child abuse, then you're saying that I'm a bad person, and so on. But as as people have written into me to try to say, or, or have called in and said, it's more complicated than that, and that's true. It is more complicated. What I don't think is complicated is that in the same way that eating meat supports animal abuse and and factory farms that do terrible things, uh, I think that donating to the Catholic Church, it really cannot be argued that money donated to the Catholic Church doesn't in some way go to support the institution of the church. In fact, I, I would even argue that simply going to the church is, is sort of like you know giving it your personal endorsement. You're saying, like, this is a thing that I believe in, this is what I like to do. And, and anyone who you have an influence over, just, just by watching your actions... You endorse the church, which lends the church credibility, which in turn has the chance to encourage others to to follow suit, to go to the church as well, potentially donate themselves, and potentially, you know, very uh, realistically put themselves in danger, uh, themselves or their children in danger, of being abused in the church. So I think that it can be a dangerous thing simply to attend, even if you're not actually donating yourself. So anyways... I don't think it can very rationally be argued that you can attend the church without being tacitly complicit in the abuses that go on there. But I think it can be argued that even if you continue to go and continue to donate, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you an imperfect, complex person like everyone else on the planet. So that's it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks especially to those who support the show, either by becoming a member or making one-time donations. That is absolutely how the program survives. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show. Show From bestofleft.com.
1: Black and white. You so took part of picture that wasn't right. It's burning on a shining sheet. The only maker that you want to be. A dying man in a living room. The shadow bases the floor. We'll take you out and he a fun fair, to a friend. It's not what I'm like. It's just a fun farewell